having me back. It's always a good thing when a church invites you to come back. And they give you bacon and egg rolls and a coffee. It's even better. Um, I believe you're in a series on, on faith, uh, which is fantastic. And so it's great for me to be a, a part of that. Normally when you go and speak at a church, it's kind of hard to fit into a series that's already going on. And especially when you don't know the church and how they've been journeying. And so um, I'm going to try to hopefully fit in uh, with how this series has been going and, and bring a word that will hopefully encourage and, and challenge you about faith. And so this morning I want to speak to you about dreams dreams and disappointments. So I want to get a bit real today. I know normally when you talk about faith, we don't like kind of focusing on negative things. We want to keep it positive and want to be talking about good, strong things. We don't really want to deal with the dark side. But, you know, it's raining out there, so I brought the rain pastor award. He said that to me. He said, did you bring this weather with you? I go, yeah, pretty much, and it's only going to get worse. So um, hold on to yourselves. Uh, get ready. But the, the truth is we all have dreams, and, and whether we articulate them as that or not, there are things that we kind of are hoping for, believing for, uh, really looking forward to, whether, whether that is to be in a relationship, and for some people maybe to get out of a relationship, um, to get a job, to get a promotion, to have a child, um, to, to be retired at a certain age, to own your own home in Sydney. That's a pie-in-the-sky dream for some people. But we, we all have those kind of things. And some of those dreams have been put there by God. There might be ministry dreams or mission aspirations or things you want to see in your workplace or through your business, how you believe in God wants you to do that. And, and you've got this idea that's kicking around in your head that gets into your heart that helps motivate you in the difficult times. It, it kind of gives you that energy and inspiration to, to keep going when life throws you curveballs and frustrations because you're holding on to this dream, this thing that you're believing and trusting God for and you're praying for. And dreams can be really, really powerful that way. It can give us a real sense of strength and confidence to keep going. But we live in a broken world, and the reality is that, that that's, there's rarely a straight line between our dream and its fulfillment. Think of Joseph. He had a, a dream that was given to him by God that was so clear he didn't really fully understand it, but it was a dream nonetheless. And the path that God took him on before that dream was realized and fulfilled was full of pits, false accusations, time in jail, a whole bunch of, it wasn't a straight line. And I'm sure Joseph, like many of us, have sat wondering, God, was that dream from you? God, is this dream even still real? Should I still be holding on to this? Should I still be believing in this? Is this ever going to happen? And I know for some of you, singing that song, You Are Good, may be really difficult right now. And saying even more than that, You've never let me down is really difficult for you right now. And sometimes we come to church and, and we really, we want to, we, we really try to, and we, we kind of see those words and you, we think, God, I really I want to say that, but right now I feel like you have let me down. And my dreams dash and my heart is full of grief and pain and loss and, and disappointment. And God, I don't understand how to make sense of all of that. And I don't know how to hold on to faith in the midst of all of that. And so I want to speak to you from 2 Samuel about David's, one of David's experiences and maybe come up with some things that will help you 
understand dreams and disappointment and what faith looks like in, in, in that messiness of life. So have a look at 2 Samuel 2, and this is immediately after uh, the prophet Nathan has confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba, and now the judgment of God, the consequences of, of his sin is being rolled out in David's life. And it says this in verse 15, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. Listen to this, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. And maybe you've done that, whether it's for healing or for your kids to be saved or for something else. You, you've dreamed and you've prayed and you've believed. The elders of his household, verse 17, stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us. When we spoke to him, how can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Notice that. How profound that is. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food and he ate. His attendants, verse 21, asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, listen to this, who knows? Who knows? The Lord may, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now, but now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Father, I just pray that you will be here in such a real and present and powerful way by your Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts, Father, in a deep and profound way this morning. Give me the ability, Lord, to communicate your word faithfully and give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So three principles that I want to give and, and kind of lay before you that I gleaned from David's life that hopefully will help you deal with this idea of faith in the midst of disappointment. David's experiencing some real grief here, and, and maybe some of you are going through, have gone through, will go through these kinds of deep waters. The first thing I want to suggest to you is this idea of seeking God. Seeking God. I love the fact that when this child is sick, David's holding on desperately to God. He's seeking God for a miracle. And Pastor Ward mentioned, and we all know God is a miracle working God. And I want to suggest to you, as long as there is life in your dream, keep praying for it. 
Keep seeking. Keep pressing into God. Keep laying a hold of God. Keep going. Don't quit because God still does miracles today. God still heals. God still raises people from the dead. God still provides supernaturally. God still heals sick people from cancer and gives a sight to blind people. God still does miracles of provision. God still makes a way where there is no way. God still brings down manna from heaven. God still does incredible things that defy logic and explanation. So while there is life, keep seeking. Keep believing. Keep pressing into God. Saying, God, I'm going to stand and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to press in. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do whatever you're saying. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do the things that I need to do to keep seeking you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever the dream is, if God has put that there, keep seeking. But the second thing that happens in this narrative is that the child dies. And maybe you're in that place where there is no life in the dream. It's dead. You didn't get the job. You lost your home. Your business folded. Whatever it is that happened, there's death. There's a disappointment. There's a grief and a pain. And the, the narrative tells us, the biblical account tells us that David does something that defies logic to his attendants. They don't understand this. And I want to suggest to you that you, you will only know the character of your faith when God says no. You will only really know how deep your faith goes when you're in the midst of a disappointment. When God doesn't come through as you thought he was going to. When God doesn't do what you've been praying and believing for. When God lets you down and you can't sing that song because you're living in that place where you're saying, no, God, you have let me down. I was holding on to this dream. I, I, I thought that you'd promised me this thing and I was living, you know, in, in hope and believing and now it's smashed and it's dashed and my child is dead. You've let me down. And the Bible tells us that David goes and he stands. No, he doesn't just seek but in the midst of death and disappointment, he stands in the house of the Lord and he worships. I want to suggest to you that there's a dimension of faith that you will only experience in the pit, in the valley, in the loss and in the pain, not in the victory and the triumph. But when you've got no hope and nothing else to hold on to and you say to yourself, but I have God and that is enough. There was a story told about a Jamaican father who accidentally shot his 18-year-old daughter because there was an intruder in the night and he was trying to defend and protect his family and he accidentally shot his own daughter. And the news report said that the next day he got up and he went to church and he worshipped just like he's done every other time. And he said that the God who's led me and guided me so far, now I need him more than ever to sustain me in this place. Faith is also about learning to stand your ground when everything else around you has fallen apart. Dealing with the pain and the disappointment and the loss of a dream that's been smashed. And you, like David, can come before God and say, God, you've never let me down. You are good. I'm not feeling it right now. And I'm, I'm in a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of hurt. And all I can do is just stand. All I can do is stand. All I can do is hold on to you because I know that you're holding on to me. Stand. 
And I want to say to you, brother, sister, if you're going through that experience where you feel like your hopes are dashed and your dream is shattered, uh, I'm praying that God, by His Spirit, will give you the courage and the strength to just stand and worship and say, God, you are good. You are good. But the story doesn't end there. The, the, the passage goes on to tell us that David does the next thing. He goes back to Bathsheba and he makes love to her and they have another child. Imagine what would be going through David's mind at that point. God, you've killed my first son. Is this even a good idea? Is there any future? Is there any life? What, what have I done? God, my sin is so great. I've disobeyed you. You've judged me. Is there any hope beyond this pain and loss? And David chooses to step out again. It's the third movement. He seeks, he stands, and then he steps out. He believes again. He believes that there's life on the other side of death. He believes that God still can on the other side of disappointment, on the other side of failure, on the other side of judgment even, that God still can. And he goes and he makes love to Bathsheba, and they have another son who was then going to be the greatest king of Israel the one that God would delight in and then bring about all of those promises that God gave to David, that there would be one that would sit on your throne, that would be greater than you, that would build the temple. And all of those things were going to come through this child, with this woman who God had now judged. Step out. I want to suggest to you again, maybe you're in that valley Maybe you're feeling the disappointment and the despair and the, and the hopelessness and the loss and the pain and all of that. And all you can do is stand. And you've just been using every faith muscle to just help you stand. But God doesn't want you just to stand there. God has more. God is not done yet. God's still at work. God still wants to use you. God still wants to work in and through your life. And at some point, He's going to say to you, come on, come on, step out again. Will you believe again? Will you trust again? Will you hope again? Will you surrender to me again? Will you step out of where you're at and believe again that I can and I want to and I've got something I'm still wanting to do in and through your life and I'm not done yet? Imagine what the story would have been like if Joseph quit when he was thrown in the pit. If Joseph quit at Potiphar's house. If Joseph quit in the prison. And I'm preaching this to myself as much as I am to you. Because life is difficult. Ministry is difficult. And sometimes all you've got is just the hope that God's still at work. And this constant call that God says, like He did to Peter when Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter says, if that's you, call me. And Jesus just says, come. Think about that. Think about that. We focus so much on the fact that Peter sank, but stepping out of a boat in the middle of a storm is insane. It's insane. And maybe that's how you feel when Jesus says to you, step out, come out. You're thinking, that's crazy. I've been there. I've done that. And I'm in a whole lot of pain. And I'm in a whole lot of hurt. And right now, it's not even a nice, sunny, calm day. It's in the middle of a storm. And you're telling me to step out? You're telling me to come? And maybe, maybe that is what God is saying to you. Maybe you've been sitting in that place or standing in that place of pain and disappointment and despair. And maybe some bitterness has crept in and your heart is cynical and critical and negative, And you're hearing in the midst of that storm, 
Jesus saying to you, come, step out, step out. There's more. I'm not done yet. There's more. Listen to this story, and I'm sorry I'm reading it because there's so much here. I don't want you to miss this. My friend Linda grew up planning to become a medical missionary. She loves the Lord and wanted to serve Him as a doctor by taking the gospel to sick people in parts of the world where medical care is hard to find. But God had other plans. Linda has indeed become a medical missionary, but not the way she expected. At age 14, Linda developed a chronic health problem that required her to be hospitalized for major surgery several times a year. She survived bacterial meningitis that left her in a coma for two weeks and blind for six months. She once celebrated two birthdays in a row in the hospital without going home in between. She has had several experiences where she was not expected to live. But yet Linda is the most vibrant, grateful, and cheerful person you will ever meet. She once told me that her mission field, as she hoped and planned, is the hospital. But instead of serving God as a doctor, she serves Him as a patient. See, when God calls you to step out, it may not look like you thought it was going to look. It may not be how you imagined it in your mind. It may be completely different. And, and yet, there is a sense where God says, step out. I'm not done with you yet. There's more I have for you, more I want to do. And maybe this morning, God is stirring in your heart that first inkling of that hope and that faith that's dawning in your heart. Okay, God, I think you're calling me to step out again. That there's life beyond death. There's a new beginning in you. That there's more that I need to experience and encounter in you. And it may look different and feel different. But it's really about what you want for me, not what I want for myself. How do, we, how do we live in this place of dreams and disappointment and faith? See, the problem is when our dream becomes the center, we lose perspective. And so often that can happen, particularly in our Western context where it's all about pursuing our dreams and individual fulfillment and all of that stuff. We, we make the dream the center of our life and our whole life revolves around that. And Jesus gets pushed to the margins and we worship and we follow Jesus so that we can get our dream fulfilled. And as soon as that happens, we've created an idol in our heart. And, and Jesus is no longer Lord. Jesus is only a means to an end. Our dream is really what's driving our whole life. And see, what happens is when you have an idol like that and anything threatens that idol, our whole world falls apart. And so when that idol is destroyed or damaged or affected in any way, even our faith in God struggles because we're like, okay, if I'm not going to get that, if, I, if my dream isn't going to be fulfilled, then what's the point in worshiping Jesus? What's the point in worshiping God? And I've, in my ministry, had so many people who've walked away, not just from the church, but from Jesus, because they, they didn't get what they thought they were going to get if they followed Jesus. And it could be that their parents would become Christians. It could be that God would heal them from a, a sickness. It could be that God would give them a partner. It could be a whole bunch of things. But there was a reason they were following Jesus, and it wasn't for Jesus. It was for something else. And the moment you do that, Something else is the God that you worship. 
So how do we live in light of that? Well, I want to give you three C's. I've given you three S's. I want to give you three C's for you to kind of hold on to. Hopefully this will help you see three church, three C's. I worked hard on that. This guarantees my invitation to come back. The first one is never lose sight of the character of God. And that's why that song is so profound. It says, you are good. You know, we, I don't know if you guys sing this song, but we do, and many churches do, good, good father. And, and one of those lines in the, in the bridge part says, all your ways are perfect. You are perfect in all of, I mean, do we really believe that? You are perfect in all your ways, even when I'm wrestling with cancer? You're, you're perfect in all of your ways, even when I can't have a child, even when I get fired, even when whatever the scenario might be, you are perfect in all of your ways? That's about declaring God's character and remembering who He is regardless of what I'm going through. It's really the, the, the big idea of how we can remedy this or the fix is the gospel. It's remembering that God is good. He's all-powerful, that He created this world for us to know Him and be in a relationship with Him. None of that has changed. Even if our world and our dream is shattered, God is still good. And I love the story of Job for that reason. Job is wrestling with all of his life unraveling, and he's praying and saying, God, you owe me a day in court. You owe me an explanation. You, you, all this. And God just turns up and says, Job, I'm God. That's it. I'm good. I'm generous. I'm still in control. And I kind of run the universe. And at that point, it says Job worships. He's like, you're right. It's good enough for me. It's coming to that place of trusting in the character of God. The second C is the cross. Paul in Romans 8 kind of unpacks this for us. He, he keeps saying things like, if God has given you his son, then why would he withhold any good thing? In verse 28, he says, God is at work in everything to bring about his good purpose. What is that good purpose? It's not the outcome you want. It's not marriage. It's not a child. It's not a job. It's not a home in Sydney. It is that you would be more like Jesus. And sometimes pain is the only thing that will get you there. Paul says, can, can any of this stuff ever conquer us? Can death, can life, can angels, can demons? None of them can. Why? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So remember the cross. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, even when your child dies like David did. And that's what David does. He says, I know that he will not come to me, but I will go to him. He has such an assurance that God is the one who saves and will save him. And see, the cross also ought to remind us that Jesus is our high priest who totally understands what we're going through. Think of the garden. Jesus is doing what David does. He's seeking the Father, saying, God, I know what's ahead for me. Is there any other way? Can you take this cup from me? He's seeking the Father. And the Father says, and then he comes to a point of surrendering, standing, saying, but not my will but yours be done. And he stands in the purpose and the, and the plan that God has and he embraces the cross and the rejection of God and the, and the wrath of God poured out on himself for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. He stands, but then the, the cross is not the end. On the other side of the cross is the empty 
the empty tomb. And we see Jesus stepping out, triumphant, conquering death and sin and Satan to offer us life, eternal life, here and now. So when we look to the cross, it ought to remind us that death is not the last word. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Christians, we only believe and have hope for this life, we're to be the most pitied. But because Jesus rose again, we have hope, we have life that endures forever. So in the midst of your shattered dream, hold on to the character of God, but hold on to the cross and all of what that means. The hope that we have in Christ, that He has had the final word. The last C is coming. Jesus is coming again. Remember that, that in the midst of your loss and your pain, that Jesus will have the last word, that He will come again and make everything right, that every injustice will be right, every tear will be wiped away, the book of Revelation says, and and read the book of Revelation and see that God wins in the end, and we have that hope and that assurance that no matter what, that's why Paul can say, when I compare the present sufferings that I endure in Romans 8 to the future glory that awaits me, it's nothing. Now, that's good for Paul to say, we might think. But you, don't, you, might, you might say, hang on, you don't know what I'm going through right now. But if you actually stop and read what Paul endured, you kind of go, okay, maybe he does get what I'm going through. Whipped, beaten, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, or, you know, all betrayed by friends, all kinds of stuff. But maybe he does get what we're going through. And he can still say, no matter how hard this life is, I look ahead Because Jesus promised he's preparing a place for me. And that place is free of suffering and death and alienation and disappointment and heartache. That place that Jesus is preparing is going to be incredible, full of joy and love and peace. And he's coming back to get me and to take me to that place. And no matter how difficult and hard and painful it is, my vision is not going to be consumed by my dream and my hope. But it's going to look beyond that to the coming of the Son who will restore all things and make all things right again. That's where my faith comes from. And so I want to leave you with those thoughts to unpack maybe where you're at. And we're going to spend a bit of time praying because I really believe that maybe there are people here who are in all three of those places. Maybe there are some of you here. Thanks, guys. That you're in that early stage of David's journey and You've heard a report that your child metaphorically is sick. Maybe something at work or something in your home or your business or your family. You've heard a report that things are not going as you thought they would go or as you planned that they would go. And it's gripping your heart with fear and, and concern and worry. There's, there's a time to seek God and that time is now because there's still life. And so we're going to pray for you. Pray for miracles. Pray that God would transform those situations, bring breakthrough, bring miraculous intervention into that situation. Absolutely. But maybe there are others of you that are already in the valley. Metaphorically speaking, the child has died. And your heart is broken with disappointment, And maybe you've been sitting there for so long, it's that disappointment has turned to bitterness. And you're angry with God. You're angry with other people. You feel really let down. And you're finding it so hard to confess, God, you are good. And maybe, just maybe, in this moment, God is speaking to you. 
and inviting you to stand. Not because anything has changed in your circumstance, but because God hasn't changed either. And as you focus on His character, as you remind yourself of the cross and what Jesus has endured for you, and that this same God who has given you Jesus will not withhold anything, any good thing from you because His purpose is still at work in your life. He's inviting you to stand in that confidence. Or maybe there are others of you that you've been sitting there so long and standing there so long that you're so afraid because you're sensing in your heart that God is inviting you to step away from that. But you've been there so long, there's a security there, there's a comfort there. Even in the pain, it feels comfortable. But Jesus is saying, come, step out, step out. I I want to do more. There's life on the other side of the cross. There's life on the other side of death. I want you to hope again, to dream again and, and believe again. And that thought terrifies you this morning. But you're sensing in your heart, I think, I think that's what Jesus is doing. We want to pray for you. I want to pray wherever you're at on that spectrum. So why don't you stand with me and these, these guys lead us. If you'd like prayer, I invite you to leave your seat and just come. And, and the, the pastoral team here will just pray for you and minister God's grace to you. And believe that God wants this moment to be a turning point in your life and set you on a different trajectory where your dream, what you have been believing and holding for and trusting God for, is not going to take center place in your heart anymore. That you will this morning find Jesus in that central place in your heart again. And you'll find faith and hope and strength to keep living the life that Jesus is calling you to live. Thank you, Jesus.